Gospel of Matthew, the last chapter, uh, chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We refer to this as the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Would you pray with me now, please? Father, it is our prayer that um, that you would open both our hearts and our minds uh, today to your presence among us. That we would know that in a, a very real way that you are here. Uh, we pray that you would um, touch us, Lord, and uh, that you would draw us ever closer to yourself. And we ask, Lord, that as we look at your word today and the things that surround that word, that um, we would hear you speak to us. Lord, we uh, really understand and we thank you for the treasure that you've given us in your word how it's absolutely true and completely reliable and that we can not only build our lives on it, but we can stake our eternity on the things contained in here. And so, Father, we pray today that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our wonderful Lord and Savior. Amen. So, do you remember sitting in class, and for some of you... uh, that memory would be much fresher and more recent experience. And for others of you, it might have to reach back a long way. But do you ever remember sitting in class and trying to be invisible? So an assignment was given and the due date had arrived and you weren't ready. For whatever reason, you weren't prepared, you forgot, or you just didn't do it, or you didn't understand the assignment, or you honestly lost your work. That actually happened to me one time. Or you worked, but you felt like uh, you really what you had done was not up to par. And there the teacher is going over that particular assignment as a class. And calling on people and asking questions and putting people on the spot. Or maybe it was an oral assignment to start with. It was a speech or a presentation and you just weren't ready. And you sit there when that happens in a kind of a a fear, hoping and wishing and praying that the teacher 
doesn't call on you, that the class would somehow end before he or she called on you and you would be free. And you promise yourself if that happens that you'll, if you get through this class, you'll be ready for the next one when it comes around. But you haven't gotten through it yet, and so maybe you slouch down in your seat so that you're not quite as visible. And when some other kid is talking, you look intently at them to show that you're participating in class, and yet you avoid eye contact at all costs with the teacher uh, because you know that that would be fatal. Not that you would actually die, but you would feel like it, or maybe you wish you were dead. Maybe you're a better student than I was, and maybe that never happened to you, but I suspect almost all of you know what I'm talking about, even if it only happened to you one time. And one of two things happens uh, when you find yourself in that situation. Either you get through that class, or you get called on. And if you were called on, then the truth came out, and the teacher and everyone else knew that you weren't ready, and maybe when that happened, you were embarrassed, or, or maybe you were kind of philosophic when you thought, well, it's not the end of the word, or maybe you were a little bit of both of those things. But you found that you could endure it, and we can hope that you and I and anyone in that situation might have learned something from it and tried uh, ever harder to be a little bit more diligent in being ready. The other thing that might happen is, is that you might really have gotten through that class without being called on. But the story doesn't end there, does it? Because uh, either you are going to go back to that class up where you left off, and if so, you'd be better, better be ready then, or the teacher has collected the work and has discovered that you weren't prepared or it's revealed on the test. You see, even if you could have turned yourself invisible, you couldn't escape. You were still held accountable for that work. Now, I tell you that because I think that that's the way that we sometimes feel when someone talks to us about witnessing for Christ. You know, we, many of us, become uncomfortable when people talk about that. We don't feel maybe like we're ready or maybe we think we don't know how to do it, or that we don't know enough, or possibly we realize that there are things in our lives that would make what we say sound hollow. And we're also afraid that, uh, that we'll be asked to do something that we feel would be virtually impossible for us to do. Maybe we wish then we would be able to be invisible. What I want to do today is I want to talk about these feelings and uh, these fears, this reluctance. And I want to try to put them in their place because the truth is, is we cannot become invisible. We can't escape from what we're called to. We still are responsible for sharing our faith. But the truth will set us free. So for the last three weeks as a church, we have been talking about the Great Commission, the Great Commission. And the first Sunday we uh, were together, we saw six truths about Jesus Christ, with the, which the Great Commission uh, recorded for us in Matthew 20.
uh, for our scripture reading uh, revealed about Jesus. For instance, he is all-powerful and he's always with us. Those were two of the six things that we saw. And then the next Sunday, we looked at that nothing... the master, which is our Lord, and who actually does And if you'll remember, we, we also mentioned the means, which is prayer, which is really a vital part of that whole process. And today, what I want to do is, I just want to try to make that personal. Uh, we're going to of ourselves, and that is, is, how do I do my part in fulfilling the Great Commission? And there are two things that I want to mention uh, before we turn to our main consideration this morning. And, and one thing we've already talked about uh, briefly, and, and one thing we do as a church, and many of us do individually, when it comes to fulfilling the Great Commission. The first thing I want to just mention here is prayer. We've already talked about it, but prayer in fulfilling the Great Commission. Uh, to do our part, we need to pray. There are, more, there are other things you can do. Uh, there's more than we can do, that we can do than pray, but there's certainly nothing less that we should do than that. And the second thing that we need to, uh, to do is we need to support to missions organization, but the responsibility belongs to all of us. So those things are important, but we're not going to spend our time there this morning. See, what we're going to do this morning, the way we're going to go about it, is really relies heavily on your biblical knowledge. But you will know these truths that I talk about, and you'll be able to demonstrate them to be yourselves if you need to. And if for some reason you can, if you're new to the faith, or you, you really just can't find where I'm talking and where I base this, uh, then you can come and see me. Uh, but we can't turn to every scripture because of time. And at one point, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to make some observations that other people have made uh, before me that will, um, that will help us as we look at some texts that we do look at and we'll reinforce those texts. And so where we're going to begin this morning is we're briefly going to begin by addressing the fears that we often have when it comes to witnessing for our Lord. And there are really two sources for those fears. One source is our enemies, and there are three of them. And the other is unrealistic expectations. So we begin with the first one. 
about our God. The world drag us away from God and the things of God. And the one real thing about that that can stop us in our tracks as we try to follow God, including testifying for him, is if we're yielding to that sinful nature, if we've stopped fighting and we're living in it. And if that's the case, the only answer is confession and repentance and and get help if you need to, to get out of your sin. And then there's a devil who works hard at exacerbating both of those other things and who offers us all sorts of fine-sounding false reasons for not speaking up. And so those three enemies will silence us if they can. And I have to tell you something. I think simply knowing that truth is half the battle. To know source of our fears, I think, is unrealistic expectations. So sometimes we put those on ourselves, right? Maybe sometime in your past, you really did step out and you shared the faith with someone and that person, and you can fill in the blank. They didn't understand, or they didn't want to hear, or they didn't get saved. And so because of that, we think... God brings the increase. So if you've ever shared your faith, you've either planted seed or you've watered seed, but the increase, the, the results, are all God's responsibility. And sometimes, other people, pastors, churches, groups, have put these unrealistic expectations 
patience on us by telling us that there's really only one way to share your faith, which usually involves some kind of public evangelism. Now, I'm going to tell you something that I've shared with you before. Some of you have heard before. Some of you haven't. But I think it helps put it into proper perspective. And, and, and that is that when we look at people in general, they really kind of fall into three groups. About 15% of the people in our population are what we call um, single group people. And that simply means that they, they are built in such a way that they can have one, two, maybe three people in their lives at any one time. And then at the other end of the spectrum, about 15% of the population, are what we call large group people. They're people that can go to a courtyard and preach the gospel, who, who can walk up to strangers and talk to them and don't bat an eye. They absolutely love it, and those people need that. And then there's 70%, which is where most of the rest of us fall, that are, that are kind of small group people. That means that we can have a kind of a group of people in our life at any one time. And, and it's natural for us to, to function and to talk in that kind of a setting. And what happens so often is, is that, that some people make you feel that the only way you can really witness is if you go out and knock on doors or stand in the mall and hand out tracts or whatever it is. And, and, and you can do that. You can do that. Even if you're not built for it, you can do it. You can hand out the tracts. You can, you can do door to door. You can do street evangelism, really, no matter what group you're in. And, and um, and you can do it because Christ strengthens you to do it. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, I believe in you as a people. I, I, I believe if you thought God was saying to you, I want you to go do that. Even if you thought, I don't know how I can do it, you would step out and you would try to do it because it's Christ who strengthens us. And I think if you did it, you'd get through it. But I think it would not be the way that you would share the faith with other people. And and I think it wouldn't energize you. You know, large group people, when they go out and do that, they feed on it. They're energized by it. They love doing it. And if you're not in that group and you do it, then it just kind of takes the energy away from you and you feel drained. You can do it, but it's difficult. And see, not everyone is an evangelist. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. See, we're all called to take the message to other people, but we all don't do it in the same way. And I just want to look this morning at two verses that I think will show us how the rest of us can do that. So the first passage we're going to look at is uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verses 15 and 16. You can turn there in your Bibles if you will, and I can see it's already up on the screen for us. And in this passage here, Peter tells us that we are... that passage to you. 
But Peter says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. So when we revere Christ, them what Jesus has done for us. We need to be ready to respond. We can tell them that Jesus has made a difference in our lives. We can, we can tell them how. We, we can tell them what the difference was, that uh, the things that he's done for us, that he has taken away our guilt, that he's taken away our sin, he's delivered us from fear, or he's delivered us from addiction, or in my case, he's delivered me from bad language just immediately did it when I came to him. We can tell people our story and we can offer to share with them from the Bible. We can offer to take them to church. We can invite them to some activity in the church or small group or, or something when we get together as a people and just get them in the presence of other Christians. And any and all of that we do is witnessing for Jesus Christ. And in this text, we're cautioned that we need to be gentle. We need to be respectful. We need to keep a clear conscience. And we're cautioned because if we're not careful, we won't be sensitive to them. We won't be sensitive to their needs, or their feelings, or their questions, or, or we'll end up running roughshod over the things they believe and will hurt them in the process. And, and we need to keep a clear conscience because, you know, when somebody, if we're not careful, but when somebody says something about your faith and what they see in you, the temptation is to take credit for yourself. And the truth of the matter is it's not you and me, it's Christ living in us and we need to be ready to give that credit where it belongs. You see, our lives, if we're really walking with God, will draw people to us and then to Christ. In some manner, they, they'll open the door and we need to be ready to step through it when they do. The next passage, I think, really um, kind of adds to that. Uh, I think it gives us a, another step that um, we can take in that whole process, and that is we can, we can try to open the door ourselves. Uh, and so you can turn to the passage, it's Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, and we have it up there, and this is what we read. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So we have to still be ready to give an answer. But see, we can...
someone that's in your life, or it could be someone who, who's simply passing through, like a, a waiter or a waitress, or maybe someone on an airplane, and then something happens. And maybe turbulence right here on that plane, and the person might be afraid, or, or a comment that's made by a waitress or a waiter, and you realize right then you have an opportunity to say something about Jesus Christ. Now I have to tell you something. I think when that happens, we know it. I think if we could freeze time right there when that happens, if we could step to the side and discuss it with ourselves or someone else, we'd say, yeah, that's it. That is an opportunity for me to share Christ. The problem is we can't freeze the frame. We can't stop time. And if we're not prepared... When it happens, we won't knock on the door. We won't open the door. We won't step through it. Now, it may be that someday, if you're faithful, when those opportunities come your way, that God may give you uh, the uh, ability, teach you, show you how to make those opportunities yourself, but really all in his very good time. And until then, we need to be ready. When people come to us, if we're living our faith, and they come to us, and they ask us or make a comment, or where there is something that happens, and we see an opportunity where we should step out in faith, we need to be ready. And you know something, in either one of those instances, you can be comfortable. You don't have to do anything that is contrary to the way God has made you. You're ready to talk about what Christ has done for you, aren't you? You knows that better than you do. And you can do it. You can share your story. Any sin is in your life. And you need to do what you always do with sin and confess it and repent of it and go on. You see, I think this. I think the truth sets us free. And I think when we understand the way God makes us and the opportunity and the avenues he gives us to witness, I think for us, at least most of the time we witness that way, we realize we really can do it. See, if we're already trying to live our faith, if we're already trying to walk with God, and are you? I really believe you are. I have enough interaction with most of you. I, I see Christ is real to you. And you're, you're trying to live your life for Christ. And all you have to do is add this to it. And that becomes the way 
Christ. Well, and Sharon have a saying. Maybe most of you have heard it. It's a, it's a good saying. It's worth knowing. And more than that, it's worth doing. And saying is, make a friend. Be a friend. Bring a friend to Christ. That's something every one of us can do. It's within all of our reaches. That's how you and I can do our part in filling the Great Commission. Make a friend. Be a friend. Bring a friend to Christ. It's not that hard. Anyone here can do that. Would you pray with me, please? Father, um, Lord, I, I've seen how, um, how often people want to share their faith and and how sometimes they're afraid to because they think there's only one way to go about it and yet, um, Lord, the truth is it's so natural. So natural for your people who are walking with you just to talk about you. Lord, help us to embrace that in our lives, whether we're in that small, that single person kind of being or whether we're a small group of people or even if we're that large group kind of person. Help us, Lord, to embrace it and to put it into practice. It'll make a difference in our lives, but more importantly, it'll make a difference for eternity for other people. Help us, please, in Jesus' name, Make it personal. Amen.